Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? People, I've had a week to fester on the ending of Game of Thrones. Uh, I know people thought maybe, oh, it's been a week. Like maybe, you know, it's been so much of an extended amount of time that he'll feel like it's old news now. He won't talk about it wrong. I got to speak my mind, people. That was trash. I'm offended and I feel disrespected. I already felt disrespected by this last season because it was it just felt so rushed. And, and, and they, 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 they skipped over a lot of things that needed to get just needed more time to play out. But to end the show like that. Fran, you, you don't even need to watch it, man. No, you don't no. even need to watch it. I'm, I'm not like because I don't want you to feel what I feel. The show is so good mm-hmm. that it'll suck you in for five amazing seasons. And then the last six, season six is like, yeah, all right. But you're like, okay, but season seven is going to be mm-hmm. crazy. And then season seven is like, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was, that was good. Like, I like how it ended, but let's get to season eight now and let's, let's bring it home. Oh, two years. We have to wait two years for them to film season eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it must, it's going to be incredible that uh, two years is going to be I mean, they're going to film some crazy shit. Oh, it's only going to be six episodes? Okay, well, they, I mean, but they're going to be 90 minutes, so that's going to be like, move. that's six movies. Like, that's going to be crazy. Oh, the first episode is kind of slow. Okay, well, that's cool. Season two, episode two. Oh, that's, that's a weird way to kind of, you know, the Night King, and, you know, it was a build up for a long time, and it kind of ended really quick. And then the last episode? Mm-hmm. Fran, you, I don't want you to get fall in love with something only for it to break your heart. Mm-hmm. So... Don't watch Game of Thrones. Okay. I know you weren't going to, no. but like, don't though. Now I watch, I watch the Game it. of Zones, but you don't even understand though. Like, I I, it's like they use NBA plot points, but you don't even understand the references Still to the cool, show that though. they're using. Still it, cool. But then that means you'd like Game of Thrones. Then nah, it's I think this, got basketball players in it. Uh, it doesn't matter. The show ended very in a very dissatisfying way good and um the reasons that i'm finding out if they are true are sickening because the word is well not the word is it's true the writers of game of thrones Mm -hmm. who took over as the writers they got star wars 
They also have Star Wars? They got, I mean, they got Star Wars through their work on Game of Thrones and building a name. Uh-huh. They got the Star Wars franchise. So now they're like writing and doing stuff for Star Wars, which is So they juggling two things at one time? No. Oh. They chose Star Wars. HBO wanted 10 more episodes of Game of Thrones. They were like, you can get six or you can get out of my face. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, I guess we'll take the six. Take the they money. wanted a couple more seasons. Uh-huh. but oh. they, So they wanted 22. And then they came down like, okay, can we get a like a, a 10 episode season to end it? And they were like, no, you can get six or you can get gone. Mm. And then they were like, okay, well, I mean, we'll take six then. So it just feels so rushed and so you're like, what? That doesn't, why would you wrap that character up like that? What? That doesn't make any sense. Why would him be the king? And it's just so disappointing. So they make more money doing Star Wars, though. I would oh, for sure. The yeah. show is huge, but if you're not like, uh, you know, I don't know who gets the most money. I would imagine the actors do. I'm sure the writers get good money, but mm-hmm. Star Wars money is stupid. Yeah. Like I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It's 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 it, it, literally it's the difference between doing TV and doing big time blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. Like it, no matter even if let's say the writers make you know a couple million dollars, five million dollars, ten million dollars doing. Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. they'll make fifty million dollars doing game. I mean, doing Star Wars, like mm-hmm. they'll make they'll make stupid money, toys, and yeah, it's a whole thing. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's a whole it's a whole universe. But it's one of those kind of things where it's like Game of Thrones got you here though, so that's your baby. So you should you should nurture it and give it a proper ending. You know, like that. Nah. It's what got you here. You know, it's it, it would it would be like it's like how you know how NBA players they ball out, <laughs> get the contract, and then they suck. Yeah. But NBA, NFL, every sport, really, that happens a lot, you know? But, like, the, your talent and your dedication is what got you. And doing all that great performance is what got you paid and got your name out there. And then you, you know, stopped focusing? Got the bag. I think that's natural. But I just, I don't like to see that from a show that was getting 18 million views an episode. I mean, it was, mm. it was a cultural phenomenon. There won't be a show like this, I don't think, ever again. You know, I mean, a show that's so huge that the world watches it together, mm-hmm. I don't see it. You know, it, it, that kind of thing comes every, like, 15 years. We won't see it anytime soon. And I don't even know what the one before this one was. Like, maybe Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad wasn't. I don't think it was it wasn't that, that scale. No. It just wasn't. There hasn't been an epic like this I mean, you have to compare this show to like movies. Like Harry, you have to compare the show to Harry Potter and 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 uh, Lord of the Rings, and it, it it's only comparable to franchise legendary movies. Another, sh- there's never been a show like this. All right, so let me ask you a question. Since it was so good that they and how it ended, did they go too long, or it was just a bad ending? No, no, the ending was the ending was terrible. Like name a show. What's like, I'm saying? Did they did they go too long though? No, 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 it no! It, okay. I could have watched Game of Thrones for another five okay. seasons. It's the show was that good. Yeah, but you hear some people that say, yeah, sometimes shows go too long. The Office went way too long. Once Michael left, and then they were made yeah. Andy the boss. It went. just got too super silly, you know. <laughs> then Dwight's the boss. Then Will Ferrell's the boss. That show. Oh, went, we got that far. Oh, yeah, oh, man, I didn't. The, even show, watch the show went. Far. That show went way too long. They could have ended it when Steve Carell uh, uh, left. Literally, every time I watch Goodbye, Michael, Part 1 and 2, I cry every single time. That's how much that show means to me. I was like, I know he's going to get on the plane and leave, and I still well up every time Pam's there, and she Mm -hmm. takes her shoes off, and she runs up to him at the airport. Every single time. That's how good that show was. They could have just ended it, but when you're getting that big-time money and awards, you're like... Let's just keep going, man. We'll figure something out. We'll replace this person with this person and just keep let's keep the train rolling. That wasn't Game of Thrones. Mm. This show was this show was great. It wasn't like people were tired of it. Like Walking Dead. 
People got tired of Walking Dead. It was going too long. It was like season 13. Like, oh, the little, the son's the, an adult now? What? Game of Thrones wasn't that. I could have watched this show for five more seasons. What What made this ending so bad? It was like everything that you watched for the last few years was pointless. Mm. It, it like undid a bunch of stuff. It wasn't like just dissatisfying in the sense that I didn't like it. It was like, well, then why did I watch that whole last season? And yeah. what, what was this for? Why did yeah. they show me this two seasons ago? That didn't even come into play. It's that kind of thing where it feels like you wasted your time. Yeah. And that's the worst. When you don't get answers to questions that you had, but now the show's over. Like, I still have questions. It's like, well, we didn't answer them, so sorry, bye. Yeah, I'm going to take this bag and run. Yeah. So that's what it felt like for me. It was yeah. like, well, but but what about the, my, my questions? Oh, well, sorry, man. I don't know. It's fictional. Get over it. You can fuck off. Like, you know, put a question mark at the end of it and it's like, okay, well, cool. I'll, I guess I'll accept that. It's not real. So that was, I mean, <laughs> that went a little too long. I love it. Rest in peace to Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't, you seem like one of those people. There were a lot of people who were like, I'm happy that you guys are upset that this show you love is bad. Like, yep. why? Because it's all you talk about. Tyler. But like, why? Because I'm not in on it. I don't want to, it's no fun for me. But so you're happy that we're sad? Pretty much. That's sick, man. That's sick. That's sick. That's not healthy, man. It's over, man. Let's get over it. Yeah, but I didn't... It was one of those kind of things where I was like, I was only a little bit upset about mm-hmm. the thing, but then I, what made me real upset was people being like, <laughs> imagine wasting eight years of your life watching a show and then it ended bad. It's like, <laughs> why Why do people need to say that for? Like, what? Imagine watching that show for eight years and it ended bad. Oh, wait, you just said that. Yeah, oh. I know I just said that. Yeah, I know I just said that. But I didn't waste... It was a, Like you said, it's a show. I enjoyed mm-hmm. watching the show. I just didn't like how it ended. So you don't got to... It's not a thing for people to point... Look at them. They're stupid. They watch the show. It's like, I mean, all right. <laughs> That's what made me more mad than the show ending itself, is people being like, <laughs> you see, you're so stupid. You watch the show about dragons, and you're stupid, and the show is bad. It's bad now, and you're stupid. Okay. Anyways, that's <laughs> enough of my Game of Thrones rant. I ha- it had to come. I'm sorry. I, I had to do that. Um, on a serious note, before we get into the good vibes, um, we do have to go to a little bit of a sad place. Um, I want to say an RIP to um, a young trans woman who was murdered earlier this week. Um, um, her name was Malaysia Booker. Um, so what happened was um, last month she was involved in a traffic incident and... Um, Again, we talked about it a bunch of times on this show. Everybody had their phone out. Mm. Oh, damn. Look, they stomping her. Oh, damn. What? That's crazy. Oh, you seen the video? Oh, yeah. There's a video for sure. It's like four or five dudes stomping out this trans person and then 10 people filming. Now. So there were enough people there to go, hey, man. All right. What is her her name? Malaysia Booker. Is she? I'm guessing she's African American. African American, of course, and that's. I mean, that goes to. That's why I wanted to talk about it real quick because, for black people to be so marginalized and oppressed in this country, the homophobia is so. It it is. It is violently, um, high. It is. It is. It. I've seen people. The way people talk about gay people and trans people in our community. It's like they are disgusted by it. Like they want them to die. Like and 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 not everybody, but specifically black men, inner city black men, are so hyper masculine that the idea of a man presenting feminine qualities makes them sick. 
And it's like people are just living their life, man. And for you to be for you to be a person screaming for police to stop killing us and all this kind of stuff, but then you see a gay person and you want to punch them in the face and kick them and beat them to death and all this kind of stuff, you got to let go of that because we want to be treated equally. So how can we have prejudice in our heart and want to be treated equally at the same time? It just is it's it's a it's a it's a tough thing to try to juggle. Mm. You know, um, but this woman, like I said, she was shot uh, at around 640 in the morning mm-hmm. near a near a golf course. And she was found dead from a gunshot wound um, in Dallas. Uh, in a news conference, the police identified the woman as Booker and they said that they didn't have any suspects. Now, I'm not saying this is linked to the beating that happened a couple of weeks ago or, or about a month before she was shot. But. Either way, it's bad. Like, if it was the same people, that's terrible that they came back around on her. And now, if this was, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry, was were they black too? The people that the yeah, fight? oh yeah, okay. it was. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was like um, imagine any kind of um apartment complex that you know is like live. Like uh, we've been to a couple of those, you know, like yeah. uh, Cove Village or mm, I work over there, so yeah. So you know when you you know those neighborhoods where you're like it's five thirty and there's sixty people out here just yeah. kind of standing around in Why? this block, you yeah. know, uh, sitting on cars and all. Those kind of, it was one of those kind of situations, and I guess they got into a traffic thing, mm-hmm. maybe a fender bender, maybe even just a, somebody got cut off, and they got her out of her car, or maybe she was a walking. I don't know the details. Maybe she was walking and walked in front of a car or something. Maybe went like, oh, wow, I'm walking across the street. And they got out and just beat the dog shit out of her. It was crazy. But the crazier part was there was a bunch of people filming it. Nobody helped. Nobody helped. There was literally enough people, even if, let's say, one of the dudes stomping her out was that dude in the neighborhood that's like, yo, we don't fuck with Dorian. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we don't. (laughs) Dorian. He he will knock everybody. That was the dude in my neighborhood. You remember Dorian? Yeah, he actually sent me a friend request. He was cool. That's weird that you brought that him up. That is super weird. <laughs> that is weird as shit. A weird time to be laughing. But, you yeah, know, he was the dude in our neighborhood. Like, uh, he, we were cool, but he had fists like uh, yeah. like, a, like a package of ground beef. And yeah. uh, he could beat the sh- He really. He had a girl out in middle school. Yeah. So he didn't give a shit about hitting women. So yeah. he definitely would hit any dude who looked at him the wrong way. Mm-hmm. We were cool enough that, you know, we were dap up cool. And be like, oh, what's up, y'all? Yeah. And that was like. You know, I'm like, cool, okay, I so think I'm safe. I mean, for uh, me, I'm, like, I'm an adult now. I can avoid this. People, I'm like, I won't ever see Dorian. Yeah, I if I ever am in the same place with Dorian for longer than, you know, we're at the NBA or something, like we're at the same party, I'm leaving that party. Dorian shouldn't be at any party I'm at. So <laughs> anyway, let's say that was the dude who was beating on this trans person. There were enough people there to kind of not fight him, but go... All right, man, you got it. That's enough. Like yeah. that's done. Nobody did that. Everybody just filmed it and they just beat her until it was like, all right, that's enough. Like that's a long time to get beat on. You get beat so long that it's like, I'm tired of beating on you now. That's how that's how that video went. I was like, oh, it's just till we fin- we're finished now. Mm. So, um, but yeah, uh, Malaysia was shot. Um, I don't have any updates as of right now. I believe that they're still looking for the person involved. Um, during you the news, update me on that one. Oh, I for sure. Uh, during the um, conference, police officers addressed the violent month in the city of Dallas has been experienced, and they said there have been 23 homicides in May, and 18 have been solved. So, I'm sure this one's going to be solved. It's so intersectional 
that I'm sure whoever shot her lived near to her. Whoever, wherever it took place, was the person lived close to where it took place. It's so crime is always or typically so intersectional. People kill people that they know. So, you know, unless you are a person who is hateful and saw a trans person and chose to go out of your way to kill them, that's also a possibility. Either way, it's a tragedy. Malaysia Booker, rest in peace to her. Um, we really need to address this. Men, heterosexual men, obviously, specifically. Heterosexual black men, specifically, as well. I know too many black men in my family, too many black men that I work with who are so concerned about what these people are doing with their lives and with their bodies, where it's like, it doesn't affect you. For you to have this kind of hatred. If it's not your cup of tea, you don't have to drink the tea ever. You know what I mean? But to have a stance on it like, man. They should just all they make me sick. Unless they stealing your girl. Man, what? Wait. How you talking about? What? You mean lesbians? Work? Yeah. I mean, sure, yeah. Oh, she was trans. She was trans. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. She was, she was trans. Yeah, okay. Male to female trans. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, well, yeah. what? Which yeah. she could be trans and like girls, sure, but I was that threw me off. Sorry. Anyway, the point is we need to really reflect self-reflection is 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 necessary man we got a lot of um hyper like which like a lot of black men are trying to be overly masculine and it leads to you stepped on my shoes i need to fight you now it leads to you disrespected me in some kind of or i feel disrespected even if the person didn't mean it that way i need to now wolf on you i need to go way bigger to show everybody that i'm the man it's a real problem that we have in our society where we could just take a step back, take a breather, and go, man, the guy stepped on my shoes, but it's 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 five hundred people in here. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal, you know. So, and I'm not saying it's that this incident and this murder is equivalent to somebody stepping on your shoes, but people have been murdered for getting their shoes stepped on. Yeah. So it's the same kind of that bravado and that masculinity comp uh, compensation overcompensation is like making seeing a man be feminine it makes their blood boil and that's something that needs to be addressed i don't know how to address it i'm not here with solutions i'm just here saying it does exist and any black man who's denying that it exists is lying you know i think we can both attest to that when I mean, we, we've been around other black heterosexual men who might see a gay dude walking down the street and they're like man see this is the type of shit that just <sighs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I've been furious. I've, I've, you know, I've, I know what you mean, but I've seen one that's like, you being a little extra. I'm sure. Okay. But if that person is not, I think the fear that a lot of us have, not me, but a lot of black men have is like, I don't want them to hit on me. Oh, I it's don't like, worry I, about that. Maybe not you, but I think that is a lot of the deep seated stuff because oh, okay. it's like, I mean, well, I don't want them to... Don't try to bring that shit over here. And it's like... I mean, you're being a little... Like, if that person's just walking down the street... But I do... I I used to work at Abercrombie Kids, man. Mm -hmm. We used to have gay dudes come in there all the time, steal shit, uh, you know, steal girls' clothes, whole rack of girls' clothes, come mm -hmm. in in girls' clothes. And it's like, man, I don't know. Live your life, man. I just, I just... I'm the kind of person who subscribes to, if you're not hurting anybody, live your life. I understand if a dude... That's more of I'm, I attribute what you just said to more of like people being extra. Yeah, you come in, twirl, drop yeah, on the floor. That's... I'm here. Ah, them, this bitch is in here. It's like okay, well, like let's calm down. This has nothing to do with 
you being gay. This is about you being loud. Yeah. Like you being That's over I mean. the top, yeah. extra, doing the most. You yeah. know what I mean? And that could be anybody. That could just be a loud girl. Yeah. It's the same. I have that same trigger with a loud girl of any race mm-hmm. of like, uh, mimosas, let's get some drinks in this motherfucker. Uh, you know, so, it, you know, it's the same thing of a, a gay guy with that same kind of energy. I could see that being a trigger for people to be like, oh, my God. OK, that's but, my drink is in. I need I need to go. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, I like, I'm over this. Um, So but I think that has that has left in your case anyway, that has less to do with the gayness and mm-hmm. more to do yeah. with the flamboyant over the top loudness you being gay doesn't bother me at all. yeah I, 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 I would never want to be in a room with Cardi B you know what I mean Cardi B to me reminds me of a flamboyantly loud gay man that I would be like okay man like let's take it easy calm down with that. all that type of shit you know all that it's like whoa uh, you're doing a lot that's anybody of any orientation or whatever though like any people that are just extra I'm, I'm like alright man calm down <laughs> So, again, rest in peace to Malaysia Booker. I just wanted to address that because um, that was brought to our attention earlier in the week that that happened. And I think that that's a tragedy and it's something that um, needs to be addressed more. Trans people are being murdered at alarming rates and terrible situations for just living their life. And there's nothing okay about that. Uh, But with that being said, let's try to lift the spirits back up and get into these good vibes. That's right. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. We're, you know, trying to get off of that Malaysia Booker story and really lift the spirits back up, folks. So, Fran, you got something for me? Yeah. So, my Good Vibe this week is about Floyd Martin. Floyd. Yeah, a beloved mail carrier retired and the whole neighborhood turned out to say goodbye. Yeah. So uh, Floyd Floyd Martin has been male has been a mail carrier in Georgia since 1985. Ooh, 1985. That's that's seniority. Yeah, yeah, yep. For the last 20 years, Martin worked the same route um, in downtown Marietta, and all the people along his route have came to love him. I mean, like really love him. Yeah. Uh, a good mailman is underrated. Like come yeah. through with good energy. How you doing, man? Ask about you. Yeah. You know, it's very yeah. underrated, man. Yes. So he's really part of our family, Sarah Bullington, um, who has lived in the neighborhood for 11 years, told BuzzFeed News he's just really special. Martin told BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed News that the best part of his job was the people he met and befriended over the years. They would invite me to dinner. On holidays, they would try to make sure I, won't, I wasn't alone. They bring, they bring gifts to me if my, if my truck broke down, which it did. All the time. It, this happens all the time. What's the best thing you ever got from somebody so far? Money. Money? Yeah. Ain't no, no, no art? Or I got like some, a... like some alcohol before, but... Oh. Henny? Nah, it was like some other shit. Oh. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, but as far as, um, you know, people's carriage truck breaking down, that's, that's not unusual. That happens all the time. Like the truck? The truck do breaks do? down. Like, just, they got a call back. They got to come tow truck, bring another truck, take me mail oh, out one oh, truck. Oh, Wow. Bring, it's a whole thing. Come trucks are old. They're old and they do they do like pass jobs. Wow. So oh, they just, just like oh, let me change the fluid. Yeah. Oh wow. Um so your truck have like two hundred and fifty thousand miles on or something. Crazy. crazy. Something crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you say bring gifts to him. Um if the truck broke down, um, which it did, they would come out and check on him. Um, so they were always there for him, he said. So when some of the neighbors learned Martin was planning to retire a couple of months ago, they knew they had to send him off in style. 
Um, I knew we had to do something big, said Becky Poole, who has known Martin for about 25 years, which is, I mean, that's, oh, wow. long, that's a long time. That's a big chunk of your life. Yeah. Um, I had no idea it was going to be this big. Around 500 people lived in Marietta. Oh, I'm sorry, lived on Martin's route, and the group decided to invite every you single- You said 500? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so the group decided to invite every single one of them to be the part of the celebration. The group asked people to decorate their mailboxes for Martin's last day and to come and to come for a potluck party. That's cool. I had a little meeting on my porch one one night with some ladies and we kind of devised a plan, said Bullington. We divided up our neighborhood into zones and we would walk our dogs and stuff and stuff mailboxes with the flyer that told people what we were doing. They didn't know how many people would participate on and on Thursday morning Poole was worried that it would be that it would be smaller than she hoped. Mm. You're not alone. I'm sorry. You're not sure how many people are going to decorate their mailbox. When I was walking earlier, I thought participation on our street is not that great, she said. But when she drove back down the street two hours later, everyone had decorated their mailboxes. Oh, wow. Yep, so they got, people had posters, balloons. Somebody made their mailbox and put like a truck over it, like a mail truck over top of it. Oh, got damn. Got Floyd on there or whatever. <laughs> posters is crazy. Uh, so the group said it was fitting, it was fitting since, sent off for someone who had touched their lives through gener- generations. For sure. I don't remember the moment we first met Floyd, said Bullington, but probably the third year we were here, um, he had made enough of an impact on our family that my three-year-old daughter wanted to dress up as Mr. Floyd for career day at school, and then he came to her birthday party. So he do- oh, wow. Um, he does have a picture where the little girl dressed up, got the hat, got the bag, got the whole. It's crazy. It's, it's adorable. So Martin celebrated a number of birthdays and Birthdays and births and holidays, sports victories and graduations yeah. with people on his route, which is, I mean, that's... 25 years is a long time. That is crazy. Yeah. How typical is that of, like, somebody that, that had the same happen. route for that, that long? That doesn't that's, happen. That's, that's weird, right? That's, yeah. I'm guessing he must have had a good like you've route. you changed routes a couple of times, right? Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. He must have had a good route. He got it. must have got it early. Because for you to stick, stick with it that long, it had to be... And is that like a seniority-based thing? Like, does he just say, I want to keep doing this route? Or is it just You can like... just stick one if you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm saying a lot of people don't stick Because they don't because like it. They don't like it. And if you your seniority goes up every year. So, if people, so you can when people start retiring, Yeah, you can get a better one. Okay. So, yeah, like got you said, it, it doesn't it, really it. happen that much. So he gave every one of my kids graduation gifts. Whenever one of them graduated, he put $20 in the mailbox. Wow. Well, that's, that's, like, that's like a part of the family. He's like a part of a lot of individual families. Yeah, yep. Um, he said he also also loved the neighborhood animals, feeding cats, bringing treats for the dogs. When one of our dogs died, said Poole, Floyd cried. He loved that dog. Over the years, the neighborhood came to rely on Floyd, I mean on Martin, for more than just mail. I've had rough a rough few years, and he would just look at me and say, uh-oh, tell Floyd what's wrong. That's a different type of religion. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the mailman from Hey Arnold or something like that. That's, like, that's a real, like... A character yep. in the neighborhood. Yep. Like, yeah. It's big shoes to fill. You got you. The next dude is the just some guy. some twenty three year old dude that's got the AirPods on, just like, yeah. drop yep. the mail. That's because that's how my new mail mailman man is. He just comes through, and he'll be on the phone, and be like, man, I told that bitch, like, man, stop playing with me. And you see, it goes, Plink, pop. You know, man, <laughs> like, my dog starts barking. He just keeps it going, you know. Yeah. But you know, we don't even talk. Yeah. Uh, we would stand out there, and he would give me the huge, me that huge that huge Floyd hug. I would, and I would feel better. Martin was especially kind to elderly people on his route. People say that when his when her mother was suffering from multiple sclerosis, she would fall frequently, and on two occasions, Martin would be there to help her. Oh, wow. I mean, this dude was like, 
just a good person. Just a good who person. Who happened they, to be a mailman. Yeah, they they had three hundred and fifty people of all ages show up for this wow. block party, I guess you yeah. would, would say. I mean it was it was it was nuts. The a celebration is, of Floyd. Yes. It's like look at all these people if you can see this picture. Oh wow. Yeah, it was nuts. And then like So wide streets must yeah. be a nice neighborhood. Yeah. I would have stayed there too. Right. And what was weird because I didn't just find this on the internet. I was uh-huh. at work today and then I've been doing my ruffle, I guess, by like two years now. Uh-huh. So a guy I talk to every day, super cool. He's like he said, Hey, uh, I read an article and a guy a male carrier retired, they threw a black party for him. And that's how I found out the article and that's yeah. why I, I looked it up. I was like, Oh damn, this Yes, it's I mean, if you good at your job and if you had a you got a good route and people will like especially if you deliver their mail yeah. correctly and deliver their packages correctly, people will love you. Yeah. Like I've made last Christmas I made like three hundred dollars. From just like Christmas. people just showing love. Just and, Christmas, yeah. Like wow. so I mean it's great when the people are great. Yeah, for sure. So, and it's I, great. It feels good to get appreciation. Yes, job, especially if you've exactly. been doing something for 25 years. Exactly. And you, you might think, like, I'm just retiring, but then you get this surprise of, oh, yeah. wow, I impact all these people. These people love me as much as I love yep. do, you know, doing this job and coming to deliver their mail and love this route that I stuck with for 25 years. Yeah. They they felt it, too. Yeah. That's and I've, and cool. I've witnessed something like that because when I first started, I had a guy train me, and, and it was like, uh, like, cause when you train, you walk with the person, right? So he like, what's up, Jim? Hey, you watch the you he risking, you watch the Redskins. Kids come out rubbing the kids' heads. What's up, Myra? I was like, this is crazy. I was like, I didn't know it was like this. This is nuts. Superstar. <laughs> Just know every. And I was like, and it was me at the time. I was like, man, I'm ready to go home. You're taking too long because you're sitting there talking to everybody. But then as I got as I got out, like, my dad was like, yes, that's how it is when you've been on the route for so long. You yeah. know everybody. So, but that's. That was Floyd Martin, and I thought that was that was great. I thought That's was really, really great. cool, man. I love hearing stories about people just getting appreciation, man. Like <clears throat> a good teacher that retires, yeah. or even a good teacher that just is just getting appreciated one day and isn't going anywhere. Just saying, like, hey, we thank you for doing a good job at what you do. Yeah, you know, one of the fucking heartbreaking videos. I don't, I, can, I don't have the specifics, but this teacher had got cancer, mm. and all like a bunch of her grades went outside of her. Uh, window at her mm-hmm. at the hospital and like holding candles up and singing songs. I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah. They don't you you don't get that if the, the, the kids don't like you. I mean, it's yeah, tragic right. if a person has cancer, but like if the kids don't like you, it's just like oh, that's crazy. That's fucked up that that happened. But life goes on. I don't know. T- to get kids to gravitate towards you at your job mm-hmm. or any job really for people to go out of their way, invite you to a birthday party, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you said about Floyd. I mean, you have to really develop a bond with them 25 yeah. years i mean he's seen people have kids now the kids Kid, are adults yeah, and have wild. kids and uh, yeah. that, that, that is insane i know you don't want that at all like i know oh. you <laughs> you want to be out like in the uh, next five or yeah. something like if you can you know but it, it, for it to be within your profession you can appreciate it a little yeah, bit more right. even though you don't want it it's like that is cool though right if you got that when you when you're out in five yeah that would be cool, you know what I mean? Like you know, even if you you don't have to if you don't have to put the say, the twenty five in, but you still get the same love. That'd be cool. You yeah. you want to get that recognition, you know, and be like, yeah, you know, we talked about Ravens games or whatever, mm-hmm. your kids being sick and all that kind of stuff. I, it was nice knowing. Yeah, you. I, that's awesome. I'm sure he probably didn't even know. Like that's the crazy part of life. For sure. like, I'm just retiring. People just gonna say yeah. goodbye, but yeah. you come out there to a whole block party. It's like for sure. That's that is, beautiful. That's not. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, c- congratulations to Floyd Martin on retirement too, because you know he's gonna yep. probably buy a little boat, go fishing every day, and yeah. chill out, yep. get a timeshare or something like, like that. Act like you're 18 again, probably. Yeah, you know. That's my dad. Go does. off, <sighs> Mr. Roger. <laughs> Legend. 
All right, so my good vibe story is actually one that's been uh, the bl- the 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 black community, for lack of a better term. I don't really like that word. I don't like that word with any any groups because it it implies that we all think the same and we're all monolith- monolithic, and that's not true. But with black people specifically, in some things, we're all on the same wavelength. And this story about this uh, this guy who spoke at Morehouse. Mm-hmm. Who college? Yeah, spoke at, spoke at Morehouse College. Is billionaire. He donated a bunch of money to all the kids. I've heard this story told seventeen different ways at work from like middle aged black. He was like, "Man, that was all right, man. You hear about that dude, man? Yeah, man. All that money he gave to them kids, man. That's all. That's solid, man. I've heard that seventeen different types solid. of ways. What are we in the seventies? I mean, you know, we're talking about fifty <laughs> and over dudes. Like, hey, man. Hey, man. That Joker right there. Hey, man. That's a good brother right there, man. <laughs> Hey, hey, Mo. You know, it's DC, DMV dudes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, billionaire Robert F. F. Smith, who received an honorary doctorate uh, at Morehouse College's Sunday morning graduation exercises. Wait, Sunday morning graduation exercises. I didn't go to college. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> Is that like the pre-graduation? I, have I don't no, know. You guys get the wrong person. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sunday morning graduation exercises, whatever that means, college people. Uh, he had he had already announced a $1.5 million gift to the school. Damn. Yeah. Hey, this dude's got money. Billionaire with a B. Uh, but during his remarks in front of the nearly 400 graduating seniors, the technology investor and philanthropist surprised some some by announcing that his family was providing a grant to eliminate the student debt of the entire class of 2019. Wow. This is my class, he said, and I know my class will pay this forward. The announcement came as a surprise to Smith's staff and to the staff at Morehouse and, and elicited the biggest cheers of the morning, which I'm not surprised at all because shit, I don't have any student debt now. I don't have to worry about, uh, Fucking uh, whoever the loan people are now, I don't know what they they call it. What they used to be called, uh, I can't remember what they're called. Anyway, uh, I don't have to worry about them calling me anymore. I'm graduating just f- debt free. Mm. I cheer too. I throw my hat before they even say like, "You're graduated." Turn yeah. the thing thing to the like. I don't have to pay money. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I would have did a backflip and all types of shit. Uh, so um, t- uh, oh wow, Tonga Tonga Relaford whose son, Charles Relaford III, is a member of the class of 2019. He estimates that his student loans are about $70,000. Wow. I feel like it's Mother's Day all over again, Tonga said. The gift has been estimated at $40 million. On top of the $1.5 that he like donated to you know, a study hall or a wing of the school. You know, he donated $40 million? Well, he donated, he paid for everybody's student debt. And the 400 students... It adds up. There, it's estimated that that's about forty million dollars. What the fuck does he do? He's a tech tech guy. I don't know. Jeez. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew what he did. I'd try he to do half of it. Uh, Tonga's <laughs> husband, Charles Relaford Jr., is also a Morehouse graduate. He said their younger son, Colin, is a junior at Morehouse. He doesn't know who the keynote speaker will be at Colin's graduation ceremony, but is hoping for a, re- a return performance by Smith, who is chairman and CEO of Vista. Vista Equity Partners, uh, a software and technology investment firm. The dad said, "Maybe he'll come back next year." Uh, don't don't bet on that, man. Make sure Colin has his uh, his student loan money because I don't think this this is something that happens once in a blue That's moon. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's damn wild. right it is. 
uh, a resident of Harlem in New York City, uh, Dormius. What kind of name is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dormius, age 22, was carrying 90. <laughs> Why is his name Dorian? <laughs> Why is his name Dorian? <coughs> anyway, uh, he's, 20, he's 22 People, you years old. You gotta do better with the names. Yeah. <laughs> he's 22 years old. He was carrying about $90,000 in student loan debt. His five siblings all came to Atlanta to see him graduate, along with his mother, Andrea. Oh, okay. Never mind. I hope this is. I hope I just made a mistake. His mother's name is Andrea Dormius, but it doesn't say oh, okay. his first name. It just says Dormius. <laughs> I was like, what? So this guy's, this uh, guy's last name is Dormius. Okay. His mother's name is Andrea Dormius, who drives a school bus. So mm. she's just a middle class, hardworking. Yeah. You know, doesn't have a job in the summertime. Mother of five. Oh, so you don't work in the summertime. No. Because no school. Oh. I ain't Teachers, all that kind of shit, man. I, you know. I, uh, I know a lot of. I thought teachers still get paid in the summertime, though. No, I know a lot of teachers that, you know, pick up bartending shifts and. Oh shit! You got to get another job. You might work at fucking, Aeropostale if that's still a store, uh, in the summertime. And then yeah, no. I mean, maybe if you got a real good school, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let, hey, teachers, holler at me. Let me know. Imagine you have a job and then for three months of the year you just don't have a check. That's wild. But no, nah, I know some teachers that yeah, no, summertime comes it's like no, nah, I got to pick up my other job. Damn. School's out. Maybe some of them pick up a sub, like do summer school. I would. I wouldn't do. I'll fuck that. Is, yeah, that's what I mean. I, that'd be three months of hell. I'd rather just be off for the summer and go do a job that's fun, bartending or something. Uh, anyway, uh, Eileen Dodd, spokesperson for Morehouse College, said the gift is the biggest single gift in the school's history. In his commencement address, Smith said, "Being on the bus towards success isn't enough. You want to own it." Ooh, stored. I'm going to say that again for all the people out there. He's This is a billionaire, so take what he says to heart. <laughs> Smith said, being on the bus towards success isn't enough. You want to own it. You want to drive it. And you want to pick up as many people as you can along the way. Mm-hmm. Facts. If I make Surround it, yourself with successful people. Surround yourself with successful people. They, you, you, you are your circle. You are who you hang out with. If you hang out with a bunch of people who don't want to do anything with their life, how are they going to motivate you? How are they going to give you the gems, the tools to get, to better your life if yep. they don't have them? Yep. You surround yourself with better people. And in, in the best sense of the word, if you can, because every situation is different. Everybody's not a rapper. Everybody's not a person making an athlete or whatever. But if you get on and you have an opportunity to put somebody that's in your circle on, you do that. Not for a looking for a handout or a return on your investment or whatever, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you know that when you put that person on, they 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 pay it forward. Yeah. I don't want to go off track, but I read in the book this guy. Um, he said, he said that he had a rich friend. He said his friend told him that nobody in his circle, everybody in his circle asked, um, "Can I borrow something? Yeah. Or can I get a job? Nobody asked, "How do I get where you are? How do I get where you are right now? Yeah. And to, I was to like, build your own, to build your own thing. Yeah, I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, for <laughs> sure. Crazy. Yeah, no people. People without even thinking about it will hang on your coattails. Yeah, but just because it's like, hey man, we we we're cool, man. You made it. We made it. But not you made it. How do I how do I help you make it further? Yeah. And then along the way, I make it too. It's like you made it. Now come back. And, and, and help me. That's why all the jealousy and shit kicks in. Because when, when you don't do that. Yep. What I do respect is, if that's said in the book, 
I would respect the person that asked me for a job before they asked me for money. If I could provide a job, I would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's somebody just being like, hey, man, look, I need about $10,000. I want to start a clothing line. I, need, I want to start a clothing company. Mm-hmm. And then when I make the money back, I'm going to hit you off first. Mm-hmm. Either they're not going to pay you back or the company's going to fail. Yeah. You know, people asking you for these frivolous things that they wouldn't do with their money. People get real adventurous when it's your money. When they when they want to borrow something to start a business <laughs> or open a, get a food truck or whatever. It's like you you wouldn't do that with your money, but you wouldn't do that with my money. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting on, you know, we, we'll, we'll save that for the business podcast. Uh, it'll be, oh, Coming soon. we'll be terrible. <laughs> Us giving people business advice. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, like I said, I want to repeat that one more time because I think that was amazing advice. He said, being on the bus towards success isn't enough. You want to own it, you want to drive it, and you want to pick up as many people as you can along the way. He charged the class of 2019 with doing its part to improve the lives of black America. He said, I'm putting some fuel into your bus. He said, I'm counting on you to load up that bus. He really likes this bus metaphor, but I get it. I I dig where it's going. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was (laughs) that was our good vibe segment. What I'm going to do is we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to leave you guys um, with a little Fuji's killing me softly. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. Stick around. This is why Clef refuge. Cries well. On this roast, I got my girl L. One time, one time. Hey, yo, L, you know you got the lyrics. I heard he sang a good song. I heard he had style. And so I came to see him and listen for a while. All right, and we are back. Fran, it is my turn to go first this week. Are you ready for my affirmative murder? Yeah. Okay. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Sharon Carr. So get ready for this craziness. So Sharon Carr is not well known, yet she should be since she's the youngest killer in the UK's history. Mm. When she was 12, she brutally stabbed an 18-year-old girl, but that's not the end. On June 7, 1992, Katie was coming home from a nightclub when she was brutally murdered. The attack was violent, and she was stabbed 32 times in the chest so much that it mutilated her breast, the vagina, and anus. After the attack, Shannon returned, returned home and was never suspected of the murder. Police thought it was a sexual murder and that it was that the killer was a man. Two years went by, and the murder of Katie remained a mystery. But in 1994, coincidentally, or maybe not, on June 7th, the same day and month that Katie was murdered, only two years later, to the day, she, uh, Sharon was arrested for stabbing a classmate without any apparent reason. 
So she was she was arrested on the same day that she killed the, the girl. Two years, supposedly. Before, yeah, two years before. Wow. Yeah. So two years later, she got arrested. Two years later, to the day of the when Katie died. That's crazy. Um. So maybe it's something about June seventh. I don't know. Mm. Uh. While awaiting processing, she was held in an assessment center where she attacked two operators and tried to strangle them. She took a fancying to one of the guards and began to tell him about the murder of Katie two years earlier. The girl knew details only the murderer could have known since they were not uh, disclosed to the public. For example, she described in detail a specific injury and knew that the killer stole a bracelet from the victim. The police then began to search Sharon's house where they found her diaries. The police also found many drawings of knives and diary entries that describe Katie's murder. Mm. In, a, in one note, she wrote this. Every night I see the devil in my dreams, sometimes even in the mirror. Then I realize that instead it's me. It's like so, a fucking, so she's the devil. Yeah. I mean, to, to her, that's like a fucking Billie Eilish lyric. Anyway, uh, her diaries also noted that she had experienced she she was experiencing sexual pleasure from the killing. After these findings, the police questioned Sharon for 27 hours, during which she confessed to the murder of Katie. Sharon Carr was convicted of the murder after trial and sentenced to life imprisonment. At the trial, she denied that she had murdered Katie Radcliffe and was convicted on the basis of her interviews with police and the contents of her diaries. Mm. Her tariff, which is this is a UK story, so a tariff is basically the minimum that you have to serve before you're eligible for parole. Okay. So I don't know if they don't do parole, but in the case that there is parole, you have to serve a At tariff, oh, okay. which is a minimum. It's like 50 years or something like that. Well, for her, it was 14. Oh. But yeah, this was so gruesome that it's, I, it, you know, it's like you still have to go to before a parole board and get released. Being eligible for parole doesn't mean anything unless right. they let you out. Um, still, though. For sure. No, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> she brutally murdered this person. And she stabbed a person. She's clearly off her rocker. She 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 doesn't need the opportunity to be paroled. A tar- what is tariff? A tariff. Tariff. Yeah. Yeah. Should be forever. That's what she Yeah. Or just no tariff. Yeah. yeah. No tariff. Without tariff. <laughs> Without tariff. That's what they say. With their little powdered wigs on, they bang the gavel in the court. Um, so her tariff was set to 14 years in 1997 and reviewed on October 17, 2003, by the Lord Chief Justice. Whatever that means. Uh, who ruled that it should remain at 14 years. However, subsequent representations were submitted and the Lord Chief Justice again reviewed the tariff on December 9th, on December 10th, 2003 and recommended that her tariff be reduced to 12 years. So maybe, I don't know, whatever her lawyers put forth, he was like, all right, I'll take two years off of it. doesn't matter to me. You're not getting out. But right. you, you can ask to be let out in 12 years instead of 14 now. Although initially incarcerated within the prison system, Sharon Carr proved extremely difficult to manage and attacked other prisoners and staff on several occasions, leading to several transfers between prisons. She was eventually sectioned under the Mental Health Act of 1983 and transferred to Broadmoor Hospital on June 16, 1998, where she was assessed as suffering from schizoaffective disorder. Now, schizoaffective disorder is... A common you have both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, which is terrifying to think that there are people dealing with both of those things, but also terrifying to think what it's like to be 
in front of a person who has that and is about to murder you. Because by with the bipolar, you have extreme highs and lows. Yeah. So you imagine being extremely low emotionally and you are hearing voices, seeing things, manifestations that are coming from your mind or whatever, and your emotional you know, thermometer is all out of whack. You can be extremely happy but seeing crazy things, but you could be extremely depressed and dark and, and uh, you know, suicidal or whatever, and you're hearing voices that tell you to do things, mm. seeing things that make that aren't there, or seeing a person doing something that they're not doing. So that um, is terrifying. And I wonder, what if, what if they had, like, a study to where, you know, somebody with, like, a, I guess you could say a normal brain, I guess, I don't know what other term to use. For, about, for lack of a better term, yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Can, like put like goggles on and you can see what people that have schizophrenia have to deal with well I've seen an incredible some incredibly stupid studies with that kind of stuff they had one they had a weed one and it just was it was just false it was just it was propaganda so I I it would have to I'd have to it would have to be very well researched and 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 vetted by a bunch of people who do suffer from schizophrenia for me to accept it and not think it's just bullshit because the weed goggles it was you know one of those uh, Sunday morning news reports where, you know, uh, this is uh, Kevin Johnson and I'm on the streets today at this local uh, DMV, area, uh, MVA, whatever it is, city, city. And we have cones set up and I'm going to put on these weed goggles which mimic what weed does to you when it's in your system and I'm going to try to ride this big wheel through these cones. And then weed. he put... Huh? Weed? Yeah, weed. And then they put the goggles on and the goggles like... You just—it just looked like you had smudgy glasses on. It's like that's not how—that's not what about, weed that's does. why. I, that's why I said weed because I was like, what? yeah, it just—it. It, but Alec, I mean, alcohol. I can get that one for that's sure. We alcohol fucks you, impairs yeah. you to be able to drive. I don't think you should drive on a substance. Period. But I, there's no goggles that could mimic what weed does because yeah. it's more of a reaction time thing mm-hmm. and. Mostly just that, like it's just your reaction. You're a little slower. Slow. You're, you yeah. know, your eyes are hanging a little. Maybe your eyes are lower. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, there are no goggles to put on where it's like now you see what weed does. Yeah, that's propaganda. That's the federal government not wanting to legalize marijuana, and so they do stuff like that. And then people in middle middle America go, see weed. People smoke weed and they crash cars and they die. Yeah. Weed's bad. God, man, I just want to get blowed when I get off work, and y'all are preventing me from doing that. These fucking middle of the middle America uh, people not wanting Republicans to legalize weed, yeah. and I can't get you know faded when I have a stressful day at work or my yeah. back hurts, and I just want to take a little weed gummy and ease the pain. Yeah, I can't do that because they drug test at my job, and because it's not legal federally, I can't I can't enjoy that. I have to I have to when I want to turn up and have a good time, I have to drink alcohol, which ruins your stomach lining and makes you gain weight. And, and gives you terrible hangovers if you drink yeah. too much. I can smoke one joint and get to where I want to be from like five drinks mm-hmm. and be good. And then I'll be good in a couple hours, no hangover, no nothing. Yeah. But they want people to poison themselves with alcohol. Oh, I'm getting, I'm going on the whole thing. I'm sorry. That, I'm really, that really pisses me off that people are, because that whole, the whole weed business is turned into a thing now and people have been put in prison for 30 years for possession, for selling weed and all this kind of stuff. And now you see videos of people out in California, white people, uh, 24 years old, doing weed Uber. Like, yeah, I'm riding around, sacks of weed next to him. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I got about five stops to make. I'm going to, somebody called me up for a delivery and I'm going to go drop this off. And it's like, this is sales. You're making sales. Like, yeah. that is, 
That's selling weed. You just took the corner and put it in your car, and now you're calling it like weed burr, and it's funny and jokes and ha ha ha. People are doing time for that. So I think that that's fucked up, man. Like, if it's state-to-state legal, make it legal federally and let those people out of jail, man. That's not cool. You got, imagine being in jail right now. You're doing 10 years for for selling, you know, a pound of weed. And you see uh, some dude in Portland like, yeah, man, I uh, I started a weed-growing business. I got 50,000 pounds of weed in my backyard. It's like, yeah. what? You know, that's that's crazy to me, man. It just it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt anybody, man. There's no studies that, that, that prove that. So it's just insane. But no, yeah, they don't have they don't have goggles that make you uh, see yeah. schizophrenia. I don't know I how forgot, they would. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if they'll ever do those. To answer your question, I don't. That would be interesting. I don't yeah. know if they Thank have you. those. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So since so she was diagnosed with uh, schizoact schizoaffective disorder, uh, she remained at Broadmoor Hospital until Broadmoor changed from being a mixed sex hospital to male only. When she was moved to a different secure hospital in London. Now, here's the, here's a crazy thing. So while she was at Broadmoor, check this shit out. So while she was at Broadmoor, Sharon was set to marry fellow prisoner Robbie Lane in 1999. He was sent to Broadmoor for killing his mom and gouging out her eyes. Uh, he stabbed uh, he stabbed and battered her in a fit of jealousy, believing she favored his sister over him. So this was just, you know, a match made in heaven, just a couple of lovebirds and, you know, and, uh, you know, they found each other. They found love in a hopeless place. Shout out to Rihanna. And, you know, every the, the bells were ringing and they were all set to get married, you know, and this story was going to have a happy ending. Just a nutty couple. Both just of them. the nutty professors of wow. murder. Uh, so, but check this shit out. So <laughs> here's Uh-oh. what's hilarious. Uh, allegedly, now the wedding was called, ca- ca- well, the wedding was called off. Allegedly, the wedding was called off after each of them found out each other's evil deeds. So, what? So, Robbie was like, You stabbed a woman to death? And Sharon was like, You killed your mom? And they both were like, well, This is off. You're a terrible person. And they, the, 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 uh, the corrections officers returned the rings from wherever they got them from, and the whole wedding was called off. That's the, that's the Spider Man meme. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy yeah but that's what you're dealing with man. just two two nutty people just being like you did what oh I could never I could never give my life to somebody who could do that to a person that's I wish I was there to hear that <laughs> imagine being the per- like the cellmate that has to like deal with that drama yeah. like and can you believe he's gouged out his mother's eyes and my- it's like, uh, you stabbed a woman right. in her butt and her vagina to death you're don't throw rocks at when you live in a glass house, man. I mean, but you should be like, girl, yeah, I know he's crazy, girl. You're that's, that's you're not my crazy. point. You're yeah, crazy. You're, 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 you're crazy too. And <laughs> I'm I'm sleeping with one eye open every night until you get out of here. Uh, a hospital source said the wedding plans were thrown in the bin after Sharon read that Lane had gouged out his mother's eyes. She also said, and it seems Lane was pretty disgusted by the sadistic murder carried out by his bride to be. Sharon Carr has been uh, has not been paroled, um, though she has applied, or whatever the term is. Applied is makes the most sense to me. It might be another word, but she she's she has you know applied to be paroled. I don't mm-hmm. know, and she is currently still incarcerated. And that was my story Good. of Sharon Carr. Of course, she deserves to be in prison. Uh, I think one of the more um, interesting parts of this, which you know, it still you know statistically seems to be true. 
the reason that she was able to get away with that murder for the, the couple of years that she was is because it was so violent. And statistically, when when women commit um, violent crimes, mm. they only do enough to kill the person. It's rare for a woman to overkill. Oh, okay. So you. whether it's poison, shot to the head, mm. you know, one one shot is like boom, I shot you. To, you're gonna die at some point, and mm. I did enough t- for you to die. So it was so violent and sexual that they were like, "This has to be a man." She probably almost got away. She probably would have got away. Oh, she, she oh, she definitely would have gotten away with it. One, if she wasn't a schizo, if she wasn't schizophrenic yeah. and and bipolar. And if she hadn't stabbed another person and then went to prison and then, like, had a crush on one of the guards and was like, hey, uh, so, you know, I killed a girl a couple years ago. You uh, feeling what I'm feeling? Or whatever kind of... I know. <laughs> it's like, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm going to call back up and <laughs> say what you said again. Yeah, so I stabbed her. I just... So, the, also, that so that part right there, but I just think it's interesting how... I'm, all, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the statistics that make people pick... Um, or, or that the statistics that have built the the database of um, profiling in this country and, and worldwide, really, of how they profile serial killers. And it's like, you know, the ages, like, oh, this murder was like this. So this person's probably between 30 and 45 years old. They're probably a white male. Uh, they did this. It was sexual. So they probably are uh, impotent or whatever kind of thing. I'm very interested in that kind of stuff. And that's why I really got to I never finished Mindhunters. And I, I really need to do that because that, that's what that is. Um, but so, yeah, so they, she was able to get away with this because she didn't fit the profile of a female murderer. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, sadly, um, Katie was selected at random. She, Sharon didn't know her. She just. Katie is the first victim. Katie was the only victim. Yeah. She was her, her victim. Oh, uh, who, oh, who the, the, per, the woman who was murdered and stabbed 32 times just, and a, just saw a person and was like them. Wow. That's always the scariest part yeah, to me. Yeah. I always prefer. I prefer nobody be murdered, right. but I always pr- it's like, even if it doesn't make any sense, it makes sense to them. They were like, I don't like this person, so I killed them. I didn't like the people at my job, so I killed them. I, my wife was getting on my nerves, so I killed her. For you to just go, I think I want to kill somebody. Uh, him. And you just, and then you go back to that person's life, and they're like, oh man, uh, I told my wife I'd pick up some milk today. Let me go to the store. And they just that one when you yeah. when you could have gone left, you went right, and now you 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 crossed paths with a psychopath. Now, did they say where she was killed? Did they like hang? Did they did they like hang out? It was like, oh, we should. Be she was leaving a nightclub. It was like a late night. She was leaving a club, and I, I don't know Sharon. Her? Yeah, Sharon followed her. I don't know Sharon was just walking the sc- the streets, being schizophrenic. I don't think she herself. was in the club as well. Um, it's very terrible that this woman was selected at random to and was murdered for no reason, and Sharon was. You know, had sexual pleasure from it and all those kind of things. I think the there was a light-hearted element to it when I was reading it about the marriage thing. I thought that was funny, but this is this is a terrible story. Rest in peace to Katie. And um, like I said, Sharon is. Am I calling her Sharon? Let me make sure I'm saying her name right. Um, rest in peace to Katie. And Sharon Carr um, is still incarcerated to this day, and her wedding failed she was not able to be a bridezilla and you know you know i mean so this this almost had a happy ending in a sense but it didn't uh she almost found she almost found love and then she found out that the person that she was gonna marry was capable of stabbing a woman in the vagina and oh no no never mind that was sharon sharon did that sharon did that and had the nerve to judge somebody for 
being a killer. And then that person judged Sharon. So that's just as hilarious that the two of them both were like disgusted by each other's actions. Like, you okay. would think that would bring them closer together. Yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, we are we are birds of a feather, man. But no, you're right. It's the Spider-Man meme. It turned out to be a Spider-Man <laughs> meme. Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. Uh, so that was my uh, affirmative murder this week. Um, that's all I got. I'm assuming you don't have any questions. It's pretty, you know, cut, cut and dry kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's France turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right. And we are back. Fran, it is on you. So my affirmative murder this week is called the Bisbee Massacre. So this is in Arizona. So that's where we're going this week. It's okay. So the Bisbee Massacre occurred in Bisbee, Arizona on December 8th, 1883, when five outlaw cowboys Ooh. robbed a general store. We've got the horses in the bag. <laughs> Horse stock is attached. Okay, cool. Go ahead. So, <clears throat> believing that the general store safe contained a mine payroll of $7,000, they timed the robbery wrong and were, and were only able to steal about eight hundred to 3000 along with gold. A gold watch and jewelry. That's a big difference, man. It's five yeah. of them. Five outlaws, yes. Breaking up seven grand and breaking up five eight hundred dollars is that's a big difference. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah. So they was only able to steal a gold watch, some jewelry, eight hundred to three thousand dollars. So during the robbery, members of the gang killed four people, including a lawman and a pregnant woman. Oh. And we'll get to that later on. <clears throat> so John T. Heath. This is was the. This is was. This is the main guy here. Okay. John T. Heath. Was born in Texas in 1855 to John and Sarah Heath. His family moved to Louisiana while he was young. The family eventually returned to Texas in 1875. Heath married Virginia, Tennessee. What? <laughs> Jeannie, that's her name? Jeannie Farrell. Yeah, that's, that's, her nickname was Jeannie, but her name was Virginia, Tennessee. So New Heath, York, New York, Vermont. <laughs> so Heath left Texas, settling first in Clifton, Arizona, where he opened his... A saloon, right? Saloon. Uh-huh. In November 1883, Heath moved to Bisbee with James Tex Howard. I feel like I'm playing Red Dead Redemption right yeah, now. Yeah, Tex was his middle name. Along the way, Heath and Howard met friends of Howard, Dan, Big Dan Dow, Big Omer, Omer, Omer W. Red Sample. I feel like that was a popular Red, because I'm guessing that was a popular uh, nickname in those days. Red? Red? Yeah, sure. Sounds like it. Uh-huh. And Daniel York Kelly. As an adult, Heath was indicted uh, for cattle rust, rustling, robbery, burglary, and running a house prostitution. Cattle rustling. Is that like stealing cattle? Cattle? I would assume. <laughs> this is super Red Dead. So Bisbee didn't have a bank. Bisbee didn't have a bank, and it was common knowledge that the seven thousand cash cash payroll, or about one hundred eighty thousand dollars today, which yeah. would be the same, um, for the Copper Queen mine, was delivered to the Goldwater. And Castaneda Mercantile Store one or two days in advance of the company's payday on the tenth of each month. So he did this, did some research, or they yeah. did somebody on the inside. It's Motion's Eleven, yep. they really planned it out. Um, Heath was Heath was later convicted um, of arranging for cowboys Daniel Big Dan. I'm just I'm gonna say their um, their nicknames. Big so Dan. Keep, yeah. So you got Big Dan, Red York, and Billy. Okay. Um, and Tex. Yeah, so he was arranged the Cowboys of Howard to rob the store and payroll. Mm-hmm. So before the robbery, Heath allegedly accompanied Howard to the 
and the three other men to Buckles Ranch about 10 miles outside Bisbee. Although no witnesses were later found to corroborate Heath's role, Heath and Howard continued to Bisbee on November 20th, 1883. Heath immediately partnered with a local a local man named Nathan Waite and prepared to open a new dance hall. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One time. Rim me now. That's what I think I wanted. Some, some fucking some reggae shit. Okay. Dance hall. So Howard returned to the Buckles Ranch and waited um, with his confederates. Heath and Waite opened their dance hall behind the Goldwater Mercantile, which is right behind the store that they went to rob. Oh, okay. Um, Did they do that on purpose? I would, I would think so. Oh. Um, on December 8th, 1883, the day Copper Copper Queen Mine payroll usually arrived. So he opened it that day. Yeah. Um, so we're, hey, what in Tarnation? We're just here to do a little dancing. You guys keep doing your business <laughs> over there. And then they got like plans. Like when they close the door, they like flip a board and it's like, okay, so we're going to go. You're right. going to go to the left. Yep. Da, 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 da. So on the evening of December 8th, 1883, the five outlaws rode into Bisbee. That sounds wild to me. Yo, this sounds like, <laughs> I feel like you're describing a mission from Red Dead Redemption to me. Hop on your horses and yeah. you're going to ride into Bisbee tonight. So they tied their ho- they, ho- they tied their horses near the Copper Queen Mine smelter at the end of Main Street and walked to the Goldwater, the Goldwater store. At the store, three of the men, including Tex, who wasn't wearing a mask, I don't know why I didn't say why, entered the store. Yeah, don't give a fuck. Nah, entered the store while the other two remained outside. They leveled pistols. I mean, I you know when you hear I hear that I, they just yeah. guessing they kept it at the hip. Yeah, and just have it pointed up at you. Uh huh. So they kept them leveled. They leveled pistols at the store owner and persuaded him to open the safe, only to find that the payroll had not arrived yet. Mm. Which is, I would go. Yeah. We, we, we too far in that now. We plan. We take what we get. <laughs> get what we can. Yep. So the robbers took some cash and and gold watch in the safe and robbed all of the employees and customers in the store. Accounts differ as to how much money they stole, but it was reported they took between 800, 800 and three thousand in cash along with the gold watch and jewelry. Still not. Still not quite seven. No. And I don't think I don't three thousand. If that's the most they took, I don't. That's not enough. No. <laughs> you gotta split that up, man. You got that's five people enough. with you. Yep. So while three cowboys were inside looting the safe and robbing the customers, two cowboys outside were confronted by citizens who recognized that the robbery was in progress. Mm. When Assayer J.C. Tapanier exited the the Boonton the Boonton Saloon next door, they ordered him to go back in. He refused, and the robbers, armed with Winchester repeating rifles, which is that's literally a rifle. gun. That's literally a gun <laughs> on the Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he was armed with the Winchester repeating rifles, killed him with a shot to the head. Mm. Colchise County Deputy Sheriff D. Tom Smith was having dinner with his wife across the street at the Bisbee House. I'm off duty. I'm, I'm guessing this is part of your job. If you're off duty, you have if you see something, you, you do something. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah. I'm not, though. Um, he ran onto the street, and robbers ordered him to go back inside. Smith refused and told them he was the officer of the law. And okay, I have a gun and I'm robbing a store right now. I don't think I thought about running in the police before right. I did this. So he's officers of the law. One of the bandits reportedly said, "Then you are the one we want." Oh, and killed him. That's oh. what he said, and he killed him. He shot him. Oh wow. Um, he fell beneath a freight wa- a freight wagon. Um, Annie Roberts, who was pregnant, came to the door of the Bisbee House restaurant, which she and her husband owned. The cowboy shot her and bullets shattered her spine. Oh, God. Mortal, yep, mortally injured, uh, wounding her. So she died. John A. No- Jolly Noli, a local f- freighter, was standing near his wagon when he was shot in the chest. 
a local man known as Indian Joe was wounded in the legs as he was trying to escape the shooting. Roberts and Noli died later that evening. I mean, Indian Joe was just trying to get away. Yeah, they're just killing everybody oh, in the town. Yeah, whoever's I, in sight, they was, they yeah, was lighting up. I imagine this is the kind of thing where it's like, you shoot the one person, and then another, then the other person steps up, you shoot them, and it's like, oh, now we just got to kill everybody. We just got to kill like, everybody. It's like, it's like, now it's like, we've done so much now that we just need to get rid of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> There's no turning Christ. back at this point. So Indian Joe was just trying to get away. He didn't yeah. die, but he was just he got shot in his legs, which is fortunate for him. For sure. So Robert, the robbers exited the store and ran for their horses. That's, it's still wild to me. Yo. <laughs> they didn't run for the car. They didn't run for a getaway car. No, for the horse. Drop on their horses. You got to hope your horse is like not freaked out by all the gunfire yeah, and everything. Yep. So firing at anyone they saw, Deputy, Deputy Sheriff William Billy Daniels, Billy is his, his nickname, mm-hmm. who had come from his saloon when he heard the shooting, the shooting comments, emptied his revolver at the fleeing outlaws but missed. Didn't hit one of them. Yeah. The bound the bound the bandits mounted their their horses and rolled back up Main Main Street over Mole over Mole Pass and out of town. The soldiers hold a site east of Bisbee. They divided the money and went their separate ways. Yo, you are. I hate to keep referencing. I'm sorry, but it was the biggest game to come out this year. It was amazing. It's beautiful. You are describing. I've lived this life. I've spent virtually twelve hours. Up here in this, in this in this pod loft, playing that game as Arthur Morgan, and just saving people, robbing stagecoaches, divvying up the money with people, mm. living this life, shooting Winchester repeaters, uh, herding cattle, skinning bull. I mean, I've lived a long, rugged life on that game. Continue. So I just bringing me back to nostalgia. I just, I mean, oh man, I'm back in Blackwater Bay. Yeah. Know? So they just um divided up. Three hundred out, whatever, whatever yeah. you got, and you pennies. Take, you take the watch. So whoever takes less money, you take this watch. Yeah, with that, and then like, was this worth killing fifteen people or no, whatever? The, Jesus Christ! So the Copper Queen Mine offered a reward of two thousand for the arrest and conviction of the cowboys. Wanted. Since four of the robbers were masked, it was the f- it was at first difficult to trace them. Riders from Bisbee immediately left for the county seat, the county seat and tombstone. To notify Cochise County Sheriff's Jerome L. Ward, De- Jerome L. Ward. So Deputy Daniels immediately formed two posses. The first posse immediately left in pursuit of the murders. I mean, yeah, of the murderers. Uh, it included John Heath, who was later convicted of planning the robbery. He he rode with Nathan Waite and Henry Frost, who was a local gambler and acquaintance of John Heath. Waite and Heath were deputized by Daniels. So the second posse rolled out after daybreak on December 9th. Daniel's Daniel's posse soon caught up with Heath's, Heath's posse. Um, during the manhunt, Heath noticed that the outlaws tracked separate separated with three horses horsemen going east and the other two going south. I mean, so that's pretty not probably hard to find people if you look at the damn horse tracks. One went that way, one went that way. We just gonna follow these tracks. Not if you're good at it. If you're good at tracking tracking a horse, yeah, that was a skill back then. Oh shit! I couldn't tell you. Uh, I couldn't describe a person. You know, uh, if if the, their outfit or something. You know what I mean? Like in in trauma. You know what I mean? But to to be like, yeah, uh, these tracks are so what from they like? a day ago. They taste it. Sure. Nice. Yeah, or they like feel it. See how dry it is. They're like these tracks are two days old. 
So I know nothing about nature. So wow. the whole concept of this is insane to me. Hmm. Building a fire and sleeping underneath the stars and uh, <laughs> eating, cutting off meat of a, off of an animal and just cooking it with just salt or nothing. I mean, you would think in those times you just get away with it, though. You rob a I bank. Mean, you ride far home, enough, I would assume. Lay on the stars of campfire, throw your hat in your chest. Yeah, you know, really just, cross, just live sleep, off the land. Horse you know. behind you. Yeah, you would think so, but not if you've got people on your tail. No, nah, not these people. Nah, they kill They kill way too many people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he's he's noticed that the outlaws tracks, tracks separated with three horsemen going east and the two other going south. Mm-hmm. Heath brought this to Daniel's attention, but Daniels didn't believe Heath. Heath, Waite, and Frost followed the southbound tracks and finally lost the trail of their quarry outside Tombstone. Daniels dogly followed the other tracks and eventually lost the trail. He returned to Bis- he returned to Bis- Bisbee empty-handed. Exhausted, the three men spent the night in Tombstone. Since Sheriff Ward was absent, they met up with they met up with under Sheriff Wallace and then returned to Bisbee. Heath and Waite were arrested the following day. Waite was released, but Heath was held in jail as a suspect accomplice. When Heath was tried for his role for the robbery, Daniels testified that Heath was trying to mislead the posse when he pointed out the trail had, had split. Oh. Yeah. Um, so because he had neglected to wear a mask, Tex was quickly identified. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, he was quickly identified as one of the robbers. After further investigation, Deputy Daniels was able to determine the names of the other four men suspected of being involved. I mean, did he snitch? Probably. Probably. Suspicion fell upon Heath as he was a- acquainted with Howard and had had been seen in the company of the other four men at Buckles Ranch. The first of the out- the first of the outlaws to be apprehended was Daniel York and K- Daniel York Kelly. Kelly was caught near Deming, New Mexico. He's oh. trying to, I guess he's trying to make a run for it. So Tex and Red... I don't even know if they had borders back then. Mm. But, you know, maybe it's just not worth going that far for somebody. I don't know. But they, again, like you said, they killed a lot of people. Yeah. So we're going to hunt you down. So Tex and Red made the mistake of returning to their old haunts in Clifton, Arizona. Well, while there, the outlaws visited with bartender Wal- Walter Bush after the two men left town. Bush notified authorities immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. They just left. Yeah. They were here. Can I get? Do I get a piece of the reward money? Yep. Uh, so the a posse was assembled, and within a matter of days, days. Yo, they people, <laughs> like that's people, that's crazy to me. People had money on their head back then, man. Like this was a job. This was a job. Like if if you catch them dead or alive, we'll give you three thousand dollars. Yeah, but when I mean days, I mean like, oh, he just left here. I've seen him. Oh, it takes days. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there. Two two, two nights. That's wild. We'll be there there in a night and a half. That's wild. And you would think, like, me thinking now, I was like, they probably got to, probably went other places to to get away, but. Yeah. They didn't. You got to stay on the move. Yeah, just the days bars is wild. So Howard and Sample were captured and placed in jail. Daniel Dowd and William Delaney had, as Heath had seen, by their horse tracks. So they all got caught the same way. Okay. Um, left the others outside Bisbee, traveled to Sonora, Mexico. Dan Dow was captured by Deputy Daniels across the Mexican border um, in Los Carolatos, Sonora. Somewhere in Mexico. Somewhere in New Mexico, yeah. So William William 
William Delaney was apprehended by Deputy Daniels with the aid of Deputy Sheriff Robert Hatch in the town of Mines Prietus, Sonora, where he had been detained after getting in a brawl with a local mine foreman. So just getting himself into trouble, which got him caught up. Given the reward, Mexican authorities were glad to release him to the Americans. Sure. We can get what? Yeah. Take him. Give us a bag of gold or whatever they did back then. Yep. So on February 6th, the grand jury found indictments against Dowd, Kelly, Sample, Howard, and Delaney. The men appointed as their legal counsel included James, um, Stanford, Thomas, and Williams. I guess all the legal teams, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the trial of the five suspected killers began in Tombstone on February 17th, 1984. I'm sorry. The evidence against, against the men was fairly conclusive. Four of the five, four of the five of them had been recognized either during the robbery or as they ran from the mercantile. Terrible. Yep. Additionally, there were there was a chain of physical and circumstantial evidence linking the men to the crime. The tra- like what what is that in eighteen hundred? <laughs> yeah, it's <was> like <laughs> you left a, a a chunk of your beard hair there or something <laughs> like. Yeah, physical. Yeah. Maybe they mean like. An identifier, like okay. that they had a beard, like mm. a physical trait that was, like I, I know they don't mean DNA. That that's not what they mean. So maybe they mean, uh, you know, uh, a height, uh, a beard, a scar, mm. something physical in that sense. Not like they left behind something that was identified. Mm. I would assume I could be wrong. So the trial lasted only three days. After an hour. After an hour's deliberation, the jury brought back a verdict of guilty of the first-degree murder. On hearing the verdict, Daniel Kelly was reported to have remarked, Well, boys, hemp seems to be Trump's. What? Say that again? (laughs) So on hearing the verdict, Daniel Kelly was reported to have remarked, Well, boys, hemp seems to be Trump's. Hemp seems to be Trump's. I, don't I would know, imagine slang, some kind I don't of know. poker term or something like mm. this is we're fucked. Or this is the end of the road or yeah. something like that. Because I know a trump card is like, this is a bigger card. Yeah. Like, this card beats your card. So Hemp seems to be true. Well, boys. Hemp sounds seems like to be true. Well, boys, <laughs> we are fucked. Yeah. It's been a good one. So on February 18th, there, after their motions of the new trial were um, quashed by Daniel... Penny, the five outlaws were sentenced to be hanged by the neck until they were dead. Yep. Now, John Heath, who was the main guy, um, at his request, John Heath was tried separately beginning on February 12, 1884. Mm. He was represented by Colonel Williams Herring. The prosecutors could not produce a witness who could tie Heath to the robbery. So, I mean, he gets his, he got his own guy. Guys are so sad. Huh? Nothing. Go ahead. Oh. So certainly he had known the outlaws previously, but proving he had conspired with them was problematic. Unable to produce a witness, County Attorney Marcus Marcus Smith found a prisoner to testify against Heath. Which I, I don't believe. He probably paid that man. He probably paid him. Hey, I need you yeah, to do just this. Say this. Yep. Yep. So Sergeant um, Lawrence of the Third Culvery had been indicted for the. For killing two men during a saloon brawl in Wilcox, Arizona. So this is the guy that he got to testify right. in for that. And he had been incarcerated with Heath and others since their arrest. So Sergeant Lawrence sw- swore he had heard Heath and the outlaws discuss the robbery. 
and how they and how and why their plan had failed. You ever notice that that's the, that is the most consistent throughout the time of a prison system. The witness that's a prison witness, mm -hmm. it, their story is always, oh, they told me that. Yeah, they told me that they mm -hmm. did this, or I overheard them saying the whole story. And whenever I hear that, I always, I always call bullshit on that because yeah. it always is the same thing. Like, so you're telling me that these two people who are trying to not go to or not get in trouble for this were just casually talking about a murder or a robbery or whatever, right? And you were within an earshot? Yeah. Come on now. Yep. Now listen to this. Yeah. So again, Lawrence swore that he heard Heath and the outlaws discuss the robbery and how and why their plan had failed. Heath. Heath's attorney questioned Lawrence as to whether he had made a deal with the county attorney Smith yeah. to testify against Heath in exchange for a lighter sentence in his own case. It's a good move for, right? a, for a lawyer. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Listen to this. Lawrence swore he had not, but three months later in May 1884, he was representing his murder trial before Judge Penny by Smith's private law firm. He was found guilty of the lesser crime of manslaughter and sentenced to only two years in Yuma Territorial Prison. Wow. It's like are we supposed to feel bad for this? Uh, what's this guy? Grish? What's his name? Who? Heath? Heath. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they set him up. They, yeah, clearly. But I'm just saying, though, that he was like, nah, they didn't. I didn't. They didn't make a deal with me. Like, you can lie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just say no. Nuh-uh. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> so the jury, which split several times over the verdict, with some calling for conviction and some calling for acquittal, finally chose a, comprom a compromise verdict. And convicted Heath of second-degree murder, Judge Penny sentenced him to life at the Yuma Territorial Prison. So some men of Cochise County were not satisfied. On February 22nd, a large lynch mob reported as 50 to 150 men, mostly minors, armed themselves. They appointed a committee of seven men to enter the county jail in the Tombstone Courthouse and got Heath out. Wow. The jailer, yep, the jailer taught. I'm sorry, the jailer thought their knocks was the Chinese cook bringing breakfast. And they're just fucking torches and yep. guns kicked the door in. Yep. And the seven men forced the sheriff and guards at the point of their guns to release Heath to them. The mob took Heath at gunpoint from the jail, leaving leaving his five convicted associates were, who were scheduled to be executed in March. As the mob exited the courthouse with so the prisoners. they only came for him. They only came for him. Wow. Yep. So as the mob um, exited the courthouse with the prisoners, Sheriff War attempted to intervene. The mob pushed him away. Like, get out of here. Get man. The it's 150 of us. Of we a, don't want to kill you, but we will. Right. So the mob took Heath down Toughnut Street and lynched him from a telegraph pole at the corner of First and Toughnut Streets. Oh, wow. Heath's last words, last words were, Boys, you are hanging an innocent man, and you will find you will find it out before those other men are hung. I have one favor to ask, he said, that you will not mutilate my body by shooting it by shooting into it after I'm after I'm hung. Oh, they did that shit. No, they did not. Oh, they did <laughs> not. <laughs> his executors, his executioners agreed. Heath was then blindfolded, and then the noose was placed around his neck. Members of the mob then pulled the rope until Heath was suspended beneath the pole, where he slowly strangled to death. When the body finally came to rest, somebody placed a play card. A, placed a placard. A placard. A placard. Okay, I'm sorry. A placard on the telegraph pole bearing the Bearing the ins the inscription, so they hung him, and then they hung the other guys a month later, and they were saying that one of the guys took like thirty minutes for him to to die to die because he just kept twitching, and other ones was super quick, but that one 
took forever. Then Thick they, neck. Yeah, they, they, they left him up there for like and a half an hour. And then what else happened was they made it like a, a show. They charged people like a dollar and five a seat yeah, <laughs> to come yeah. watch. I don't want to get, get dark, but they used to do that to, to run away slaves. Oh, it's like a and, show. And they wouldn't respect that they were. Yeah, man. Look, I don't want to make it as, as extreme, but there are photos of like little white kids like smiling and thumbs up in photos. Mm-hmm. And there's like a burnt body hanging from a tree in mm. the same way you see these civil rights photos of people like with fucking segregation da, 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 da. Mm. 50 years from now you're gonna see those fucking blood and soil dudes that were at charleston these people punching people at rallies they're gonna be in a textbook man like yo the, yeah hey. this was 2016 crazy huh that's fucking nuts oh. like you 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 are there are people who have done shit in the last couple years that are going to be etched in history in the next couple of years. Not as extreme, obviously, as like seeing a, a person selling sandwiches in, in front of a, a burnt slave's body mm. hanging from a tree. But there are these little snapshot moments that you can look at in history. Rosa Parks, you know, the Civil Rights Movement, <clears throat> the Black Panther Party, slavery. There's photos from that. This is going to be a snapshot in history, man. People have made some decisions that are like, all right, man, well, long as you long as you're fine with how history is going to tell this story in 50 years, you know? So yeah, no, for sure. I understand people selling tickets to hangings and shit like that. Like then it was, there was no TV. There was no Nintendo switch. That was something to do. Yep. So they said the local, a local businessman erected a grandstand of his own outside the jail. You just make that, just make it yourself. Uh, (laughs) they charge tickets by a dollar and 50 per seat. Um, a local philanthropist was disgusted. She was like, we are not doing it, but they yeah. did it anyway. Yeah. Like, We're going to do this. So they killed them. Um, they do have a memorial uh, grave site for these guys, but their bodies are not there. It's just their tombstones, some rocks, and they sent their body to where they're where they, where they from, to their families at that wow, time. Wow, respect. Yeah. Uh, and the bank, they, um, or whatever. Why did the, they get this? I don't know. So the bank, whatever they robbed, it's like a, it's like a historic landmark now. So okay. It's a building. But... When I see these, I don't want to get off track here. But when I see these pictures of these tombstones and their rocks, it makes me think. I've said this to many people. People think I'm fucking crazy. I'm like, I don't think when I go to graveyards, I don't think those bodies are under there. Random. It's a random thought. I just some. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't. Because <laughs> like these, it's like it's like it's like a graveyard and these rocks. Uh huh. And before I read that, I was like, it's no way there's bodies sitting under that them rocks. I just don't believe that, and I and <laughs> this is me personally. I just don't think that graveyards, people are actually buried in graveyards. Okay, uh, I need you to expound on that. I need you. To, what do you mean? I just don't think bodies. Do. I don't. I think it's. I think they have funerals, fake put bodies in grounds, and they <laughs> dig them up, and they they do something with them. <laughs> wait, wait, no, because I need you. Like you're saying a thing, but you're not really saying. What do you say? What do you say? I don't think are people are buried in graveyards. Con- <laughs> you think it's a conspiracy? Maybe. So, so what are you? So you're saying that you're saying like at an official graveyard with with tombstones. Don't think, you don't think there's any bodies down there? Nope. Okay. Wh- why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. Cause some graveyards I've been to, uh-huh. and the tombstones are super close. It's like, why are they so close? Yeah. Okay. You got tombstones over top of tombstones. You ever go to one of the graveyards in the city? 
Yeah. And the shit they're leaning over is like, there's no way. But that's the tombstone, though. Not the plot of life. Yeah, but it's like the tombstones are all risen up. It's like big lumps. I just, I was like, there's no way it's people in the ground right okay, there. Okay, so they, I just want to say, I, I think just, they dig I just want to say again, I just want to say again for the record, <laughs> Francel Jonathan Evans. You Damn, are, put government out there? You, you gotta, I gotta stamp this with your full, this, this thought that you've had, because this is some profound shit. You are saying that you think funeral, or, or, or that funeral homes have these funerals, mm-hmm. go to the graveyards, Bury the bot, bury a casket. Yep. Come back, yep. dig up the casket, take the body out, put the casket back down there, or take the casket with them. Everything's out. Everything's they out. Don't, so that's they just, don't, they just, don't show you. They don't show you covering up the casket. They don't show you that at the funeral when you go to the grave site. They don't show you that. What do you mean? They don't when they put they, the clothes. They don't show the you. They don't even show you drop the body in there. I don't think they don't show you drop the body in the in the hole. They do. They do. Some of them do. Yes. Okay. Well, they just take them up. Cause they got the little things, the things that drop now. They they bring them up, <laughs> take the pull body it right back up. They pull it back up, cover it up with the tombstone. Wait a couple of years. Oh, it's more. Resell that spot. Wow, wow, wow. Yep. And then, but then, what happens when somebody comes to go visit their their loved one and there's a different grave? They do it for like 10, 15 years, maybe. So then, the people at some just, point they stop. At some coming. point, stop coming. They stop coming. Wow. Now, of all the crazy, wild, stupid shit you just said. Mm. That was profound at the end. Like and eventually, I, st- I stick eventually, by that. Eventually, one. people stop coming. I stick by that. That was one. profound. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, life goes on. You know, eventually you could be sad, 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 sad. Yep. But eventually, the flowers stop getting switched out. Yeah, that's really. Sad. I stick by that one. That's a sad, profound statement you made. And you know why? In a cluster of insanity. And you know why? Because of the money. That's why I stick by. I think it's true. They just resell a spot. Big, big funeral. It's big funeral. Uh, big funerals. It ain't, it ain't but industry. that much. People die every day. It ain't but that much land. Yeah, hey man, you are saying words that are really uh, confident and backing yeah. up what you're saying. That doesn't make what you just said any less insane. No, but but I don't hey, believe but, in conspiracy theories, but I believe in that one. Of <laughs> <laughs> that one, I of all the conspiracy theories that exist that have pretty solid kind of things, yeah. you're like, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, mm. but I believe they dig up bodies and take mm. them away and then wait a little bit. And then sell the plot of land again, and then do the whole thing over again. So all the graves are, all the graveyards are empty. Yep. Wow. All right, man. Hey, well, you know what? Since you're on this high and rolling so high and feeling confident like this with that crazy shit you just said, <laughs> are you ready? Ready for what? You are you ready to get oh. fucking frazzled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let's do it. Cause I'm frazzled. Now, honestly, for the fuck we're gonna be honest about, it, I'm fra- I've been frazzled by all that shit you just said. Hey, so man. let's see if I can return the favor. The world is a harsh reality. It's very confident of you to say that. <laughs> All that shit you just said, a reality. Okay, cool. What we're going to do is, uh, we're gonna get, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. And now, it's time for True Crime's hottest game show. Frazzle Friend. Frazzle Friend. Hey, what's going on, folks? So here's the deal. Uh, this week, I told Fran a riddle that was so bad that we both were confused by the end of it. And I don't want to share it. I think it would be more interesting if I read the riddle to people 
that are listening right now, and then you guys respond to us. This is Scout's Honor. Don't Google the answer. Give us your honest answer. If you figure it out, hooray. I mean, I can't prove if you didn't, if you're not lying or not. But I figure, you know, let you guys go for it and see if you guys understand it and it's not a bullshit riddle. So here's the riddle. You are standing before two doors. One of the paths leads to heaven and the other one leads to hell. There are two guardians, one by each door. You know one of them always tells the truth and the other always tells lies. But you don't know who the honest one is and who the liar is. You can only ask one question to one of them in order to find the way to heaven. What is the question you ask? What I'm going to do now is I'm going to jump back into the podcast so you can hear the aftermath of us going back and forth and just being angry about, you know, is he right? Am I right? Who's right? Who's wrong? And uh, so, you know, please hit us up. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know if you know what the answer is. All right, I'm out. Wait, now I'm confused. <laughs> Wait. Because he's lying. Yeah, well, he's lying, yeah. So he says, he's. you ask him, okay, what he's going to say. He's going to tell you that his door is have, his hell. So then you take the you take his door anyway, right? Yeah, you always do the opposite. Right. So he's telling you, nah, he's going to tell you that his door is hell, but you take it anyway. Get it? I'm explaining the damn riddle to you. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter, man. This is Frazzle Fred. You've been frazzled. I don't have to do this shit. You are frazzled. You lost again. And and, and you are frazzled for the third week in a row. You are a loser. No, no, no. You are are a loser, man. That's it. You have lost. No, no. And then I've been Alvin Williams alongside my partner who is frazzled and flustered, doesn't Mm -hmm. even understand heaven and hell. I'm telling you. (laughs) He has been frazzled once again and he loses. And I don't want to hear another. I don't want to hear anybody comment questions. I'm telling you about the damn riddle. I don't want to hear anybody question this real. This is a good riddle and I don't want to hear any of your shit. We will see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park